Hi, welcome to the show, Mortality and Tea. I'm your host, Amy. This is a show where we dive into the topic of our own mortality in order to find a more rich and juicy life. Today on the show, I'm honored to, to have interviewed John Vanderbeek. He's my cousin. Um, John Vanderbeek has a background in inventing toys with renowned companies like the Ob and Bang Zoom. After several successes in the toy industry, John joined the effort to help Sweet Spot Studio grow in the summer of 2006. John has an industrial design BS cum laude from the University of Cincinnati's DAP program. His expertise in industrial design, mechanisms, electronics, and model making are being utilized to develop new products for Sweet Spot Studios and their clients. John has taken on various challenges outside of the consumer product industry too, including building custom furniture, interior detail and lighting for renowned lighting designers and artists in New York City and Michigan. John takes inspiration from natural history and science and makes the connections between things designed and things found in nature. Humans have been making tools and designing for millions of years, so John takes pride being a part in this place of history alongside 21st century designers, inventors, scientists, and artists alike. Today on the show, uh, it was a very enriching conversation. Uh, we dove into some pretty heavy topics. We explored um, life and we explored the death of even our own fathers. Um, kind of reaching the, the conclusion that uh, life is our teacher. And I like the quote that we use, or he used from Jim Morrison, nobody gets out of here alive. So I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for tuning in. Mortality and Tea with Amy. Hi, John. Welcome, Hi. welcome to the show, Mortality and Tea with me, Amy. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I love your new show. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So yeah, how are I'm you? So feeling? honored to be part one of your first guests. Yeah. Uh, I'm honored to have you here. If anybody doesn't know, John is my cousin. We've uh, grown up together, picked on each other. So. <laughs> Loved each other too. We've never not known each other because we were both born in 1977. That's right. You were a little bit before me, so. But I don't remember those few months. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> well, I know we're talking about mortality today, but I always think about what happened before birth. Like oh, yeah. before death is the same as death. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, being birthed is kind of like another death you're leaving the womb right so yeah what i always thought that would be the most shocking if you could remember that time mm -hmm. boy would that be the worst time of your life when you're <laughs> born because everything's perfect and warm and cozy and you know you just see a little bit of light you hear all these muffled sounds and you're just everything's perfect and then boom no no wonder why they're crying when they come out right it's horrible right? And then, you, and then you're exposed to this, all this life that's horrible, all this yeah. stuff. So, yeah, it's a real honor to have you on here, John. Thank you for, for being my second guest. I really appreciate that a lot. Well, I've, I think it's a neat uh, subject to 
talk about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not enough people feel comfortable uh, talking about death mm-hmm. and talking about life, death, yeah. the transition between. Um, and, uh, and I think it's a great thing that you're making it more comfortable. Thank you. And, and just to tell the listeners, you know, both of us have gone through a few things over so starting when you were 16. Um, Amy mm-hmm. lost her twin sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lost her together. Um, I'll never forget that phone call um, mm-hmm. from my dad telling me what happened. And mm-hmm. uh, and then recently, our, our our dads were like best friends since they were babies. They were always right. cool, like friends, not just Uncle Larry and your Uncle Don, my dad, Don. But they were like good buddies. But then they died within six months of each other. And right. And, um, and we've, so we've had a little bit of tragedy, um, amongst us, you especially. And, uh, and I, and so I think this is good. I think that influence is probably why you're starting this podcast too. Yes. Um, because it probably helps you deal with it. Right. It does. Well, and in an odd way, death has been a gift. Um, it's helped me live a more full life. And so, um, and it really challenged me to contemplate my own mortality, which is what the show is about. And, um, and in that space, I was able to, I really wanted to live, like I really, really wanted to live, not just this day-to-day routine, but I just wanted to grab life by the lapels and just be like, yes, I'm going for this ride now. So death is a gift. It's a reminder that, uh, death is inevitable. We're not, we are finite people, individuals, living beings, and um, just go with it. So. I actually had, I, I had a weird guilt after my dad died for feeling good in a way for two things, for two, mm-hmm. two things I felt good about. I felt good that his suffering was over. And I was, I felt very good about that. And I felt guilty for that. Because your um, dad had cancer. Right, because yes. he had cancer and, and he was suffering. And so I felt relief when he died, which was something that you actually kind of feel guilt for a little bit when mm-hmm. you're going through that. I know I know that it's, it's I shouldn't feel guilty, but yet you do, you know, you, you do. And because you, you shouldn't be happy when somebody dies. But, mm-hmm. but I was happy that my dad's suffering was over. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway... Which was part of your suffering too, is that correct? You were suffering watching him suffer, so that's right. And and uh and and the other part is it it you know, he helped me, like you were saying, he helped me realize like that I'm alive now and that we're here to uh we're here to live our life. And mm-hmm. to see somebody else lose their life gave me strength to know that I'm here to live my life. So it actually made me happier in life. And that was the other thing that was a guilt. I got two weird guilt things from when my dad died. And it's both for kind of feeling good, feeling Mm -hmm. good about, hey, I'm still alive. And now I I get to like live for my dad too, because he died a little too young. Mm -hmm. And, And so I feel drive, I feel like there's certain energies that I carry that my dad had that I owe him to give those energies out. Like the way you, you knew my dad, the way he was. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, and he was a fun, gregarious guy. 
And so now when I go to the grocery store to, to check out, um, I try to remember to make that grocery clerk smile because that's what, something my dad did. Like he would make the regular person. It didn't have to be somebody he wanted to engage, like some woman that he wanted to take out or a client he wanted money from or something like that. It's just because that person was there in front of him. He wanted to charm him and make him smile. Yeah. And it's yes. that I, I want to do that too. Like I'm not as gregarious as my dad was, but he inspires me to be that way. So that's what's kind of neat. When you see somebody that's that's gone now, you look at the ways they were and those strengths that you remember about them, and, and you want to bring those back. You know, I felt mm -hmm. the same way when your sister died. And I yeah. still feel like I'm reliving a lot of, of her ambitions every, to, every day. Um, I started writing poetry when she died. Yeah. I started painting uh, watercolors. Uh, I had a, an, ex an explosion of creativity. When, when Carrie died and uh and and then when my dad died same thing it's really interesting how you know the death kind of gives you energy and, and life and happiness believe it or not so yeah I'm, I I still cry when my dad dies like when I think about when my dad died yeah I, I still will cry I'll, I'll I'll just tear up completely you know I'll see the kids do something and I'll think oh I wish my dad could see that and I'll totally cry, but I'm, but I'm happy when I think about them. Mm -hmm. I'm happy when I think of your sister too. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But that's what I, I like the energy I get from, from it though. Um, mm. My dad had a whole body of work that uh, was incomplete. As an artist, you, your work is never complete. And so when he died, he had a whole body of work. And my brother and I are now trying to make books based uh, on his life work as an artist. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and we're going to try to make that live. You know, he always joked that he'd be famous when he's dead. And we kind of, because the old adage of you know great artists is starving while they're alive. And, and famous maybe when they're dead and you know he would joke about that because he went through some struggles in his last decade with finances and stuff mm -hmm. and my brother and I kind of take it seriously we're like hey let's get him famous let's put him in context of history as an illustrator yes um, yeah Vincent Van Gogh he wasn't famous till after he no. died <laughs> right yeah right no yeah, and then other ones that were famous you know we're we're elitist essentially like Leonardo da Vinci you know only a few people knew about him like the you know mm -hmm. famous people at the time the Medici family the, the wealthy of the time you know like mm -hmm. when did everybody else find out about these artists they, they probably didn't know about them for a long time so even the famous artists while they were famous a lot of people didn't know of them until afterwards so their mortality was a gift to the world <laughs> yeah yeah well, that's kind of what mortality is. It, 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 it's always there over us all. We all, like like Jim Morrison's words, you never get out of here alive. And, and we all know that. For me, and my experiences of grief and, and, and death and dying, it was the same. It was uh, reviewing my dad's life. I got to know him better after he died. I got to know Carrie better after she died, my twin sister which was a gift because 
I, I think it's normal to take for granted that we have these individuals with us. I, I, it's just a part of the experience of living. And, and so when my dad died, it was, I started to get to know him better. And I was reviewing his life, which enriched my own life, which it was an awakening. It was, especially with Carrie first, when she passed, it was an awakening. It was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Isn't that neat? There's, there's an awakening within us when somebody dies. And so do they die? Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing I often think what, okay. There's a couple of different ways of looking at afterlife. Mm -hmm. Like you literally die, you see the light, you go to the gates of hell or heaven, depending on if you were good or bad, right? <laughs> um, sure. But then what we're talking about, though, is that when somebody dies, they leave an energy with the loved ones around them. Mm -hmm. And so is that them living in you? Mm -hmm. And so that's one of my philosophies that I live by is, is that I'm not just me alive. I'm a collection of consciousnesses of both mm -hmm. loved ones, family members, and friends around me that are not here anymore that are expressing themselves through my energy, mm -hmm. quite literally. Because there's things that I say that my dad used to say. I mean, you can look at it like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's smells that I know that, that like your sister Carrie and I both enjoyed, like the, the certain smell, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, you know, when you knew that somebody else liked a smell and then they're dead and now you smell that, it's like you like, you love it like they did. And so is that them alive within you? Mm. And to me, it is. And so if you were just to ignore the heaven and hell part of afterlife and mm. say, well, let's say you're, you're an atheist, an agnostic, or, you know, there's no heaven or hell. Well, you still have an afterlife in this way of thinking. Mm. And that's the way I look at it in, in a couple of different ways. But I see my dad in my dreams sometimes. You ever dream and see your dad and you have a moment? Yes. That, so is that, is that not him? Mm -hmm. I mean, that to me, it's absolutely him. And, but is it him to you or is it him to him? That's what I always wonder. Are they experiencing themselves when they're in your dream, when mm -hmm. you're seeing them? And my, my belief is, yes, they are. They're alive right then. Because mm -hmm. that is your life. Your life is your spirit, who you are. The way I see you, it's like a different person than the way you see you. Mm. But yet it's you, you know? So mm. that person in your dream, when you see your dad in that dream, that's to me, he's, he's living. You just brought him back to life. And I think that's a beautiful thing. That's even more real than just like praying to, to God and, 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 you know, praying to, to the people in afterlife and heaven and stuff like that. Like, mm. and that literal translation of, of, of afterlife, um, and I'm not disrespecting. I, I actually don't. I don't have a. Uh, I don't have a, a concrete way of looking at. I haven't decided whether it's heaven or hell. Like it's not up to me to decide. I'm. I'm not going to say I believe in it or don't believe in it. Mm. But I definitely. I definitely believe in what I'm talking about, though, where the energy of your life survives you. Mm. And and that's 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 my afterlife. I mean, people call it legacy, I guess. Some people have called it like that, but to, to me, it's, a, it's, it's not that really. It's, it's your energy, but for some people, it's legacy. I mean, look at Tesla, Nikola Tesla. He invented the, the DC motor. Um, he invented, uh, 
he, he invented uh, AC electronics, a generator that creates, you know, electricity that's able to transmit, you know, for hundreds of miles and stuff. We're living with his energy every day. You know, Tesla invented the motor. Um, so I, I don't know him. I don't know what kind of person he was. I don't know anybody that knew him, you know, and, and so his, his energy is living in a different way. I get like, it's not like he, he's having an afterlife because I just turned on my, uh, my, my blender, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like you, the, we wouldn't be using a blender that has a motor in it if it wasn't for this guy. So sure. we were talking about Leonardo da Vinci before that, like we, we you know, the, the, the pieces of artwork we get to see of his like nobody now knows him or you know we're, we're so many or what is it like 20 or 30 generations away from him being alive nobody 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 knows him or knew him mm -hmm. or had a great grandpa that knew him you know he's so far removed but yet his energy is with us still and that's yeah. neat so like as an artist or a person that really makes a difference in society it's like they have a kind of a strong afterlife Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. which is one of the questions i was going to ask is what do you believe happens after you die what is your belief and i think i just already kind of touched on it yes. um it's yeah what do i believe happens and that's a really good clear question mm -hmm. um what happens when you die and certain people will will say hey i'm not you know, i go to heaven some people look at it biologically my my uh you know, my, uh, what is it? Uh, I'm mostly water. Uh, most, most of my body's water, but it's, it's basically six different elements, you know, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, et cetera. Um, those elements just get re-released into the environment and they reform into other things, either organic or non-organic. Maybe you'll just be a rock. Maybe you'll just be dirt. In many cases, if you're pumped with formaldehyde after you're dead, if your body's still there and you're pumped with formaldehyde and put in a coffin where you're preserved for hundreds of years, um, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't get, I don't know what, what they're trying to do with, with that whole thing, preserving. Like, to me, I think the closer you get back to the earth, the better, you know, like, I would rather my, like, I think one of your next questions might be, what would you want your body to be when, you know, when I'm dead, what, 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 what do I want with my body? Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm segueing right into that because it's related. But, uh, but for me, I would like to, uh, I would just like, I always said ever, ever since I was a teenager, I would like my body just to be dumped off in Northern Canada woods somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, eaten by bear, turned into soil trees growing like to me like the the quicker return to nature and the reconstitution of your uh of your elements into something else faster the better you know mm -hmm. this whole thing of poisoning the the elements that are in you with formaldehyde and, and trying to preserve yourself isn't the best way to do it with the earth um i respect people that do that because it's it's traditional um there was a reason why they started pumping bodies of formaldehyde way back then. So that started with the Civil War. I think you're the one who told me about that, right? Mm -hmm. you want to remind me? 
Yeah, um, around the time of the Civil War, uh, the bodies were decomposing before the families were able to re get the body back and have a burial. And so they needed to find a way to transport the bodies along a, a long journey back to their home. Oh, so they found formaldehyde. So it really hasn't been, it's not been that long of a tradition. And it's not really, well, this is my opinion, it's not really necessary anymore. Unless you have to transport the body a long distance but it doesn't take days and weeks right and that and that gave their families closure so it was really important because they did you wouldn't you would almost not believe did did my uncle die did my husband die i don't know i didn't see the body but they they innovated it and they put formaldehyde in it so that the family could have that closure and yes. uh and yeah do we need it now you know that's a that's probably another podcast discussion Mm. Um, but As for me talking, personally, yeah. I the the last thing I'd ever want is to be put in a coffin or or to be preserved in this form. Because this form, the moment I'm dead, doesn't matter. It's just mm -hmm. another piece of earth. Um, it's just molecules. Mm -hmm. um, the DNA isn't even really intact anymore mm -hmm. uh, after after a while. But uh, so yeah, that's that's where I am with with that. I. Uh, I would like to be tossed into the woods somewhere. Okay, for like your burial. So let's let's go to your death, shall we? Let's take yeah. an adventure. Um, and I I saw that just for viewers' purposes, I saw you you didn't have tea, but you have espresso. It's special. <laughs> it's a uh, coffee tea. I mean, if you think about it, what's the difference between coffee and tea? One is like just a bunch of grass that you put in hot water and then there's a that's just a bean <laughs> this is just beans that bean. you put in hot water it's all the same thing and they they make tea out of mushrooms and stuff that's not even tea and mm -hmm. they call it mushroom tea so why can't i call this uh, coffee tea well you can i just did did <laughs> cheers Trademark it. <laughs> I'm, I'm empty. Can you refill this cup for me? Does that come with the podcast? Free refills? There you go. <laughs> Didn't Thank work. You. So take me on a journey of your ideal, your ideal death experience. You're on your deathbed, however old you are, where you are. But um, I try to keep in mind the maybe not the sense of taste unless you want to go there but the other four senses your your sounds smells touches and sights i guess i'd see like two different maybe two different scenarios i'll talk about it first okay and and one is is the death that you didn't see coming um that's an adventure sailing a boat skydiving i don't know something happens you didn't even you didn't even consciously think about the fact that you're just about to die but you already died you're dead it just happened that fast mm -hmm. that's a good death um some kind of accident that you didn't see it coming you didn't have time to think about it that's an anxiety-free death that's nice mm -hmm. um on on the other hand uh it leaves the family behind and and so if i just disappeared if i went on a it got caught in an avalanche, avalanche, and I'm dead now. My family didn't get to say bye, and so for me, I'm fine with that. But 
I'm fine with me dying that way, but I'm not fine with my family having no closure. So from that perspective, you know, it, you know, if, if I was to live till I'm like in my 90s and I'm tired and I'm ready to let go and I have a deathbed situation where I have all my family around me, um, that'd be fantastic, but it's also anxiety ridden. Mm. Um, the person in the deathbed is is very is going to be very concerned about uh, uh, being a burden to the people around them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I know for sure if I had a bunch of people that have to help take care of me around me in a deathbed situation, I'm I might not feel that great. And I know my family. I've always had a great family around me. As you know, we've had a great family around us. Mm -hmm. They would they would expel that guilt immediately and make me feel better about it. But that'd be tough, you know, you're right. It's like the burden part. I think even if, even a lot of older people, you talk to people in their eighties and, and such that need some help. The last thing they want to do is ask for help, you know? So if I could avoid that, if I could avoid feeling guilt from asking help, you need help dying. And so the quick death of dying in an avalanche or a plane crash or something's fantastic. There's no anxiety. Um, there's not a lot, there's no decision-making, there's no guilt, it just happens. Mm. You know? The other way, it's not necessarily the worst either. I mean, any transition, it's going to be uncomfortable, but mostly for the people around you, not you. Mm. I mean, it'll be really uncomfortable for you, but more uncomfortable for the people around you, just like after you're dead more uncomfortable for the people around you definitely because mm. you're just completely released at that point so i guess i'm being a little ambiguous in, in answering you because i i don't have an answer i accept whatever happens you mm. know I, i'm i embrace not knowing i remember once years ago i went to a, a psychic uh sarah and i my wife sarah and i were living on the east coast and our neighbor was a, a psychic um, and, and she read our cards and I hated it. I never wanted to have that done again. Because mm. anybody, just the moment she started, I was like, I don't want this. I don't want to hear anything about the future. I don't want to think about like, Hey, I, I'm a planner. I, I do financial planning. I have retirement plan. I have uh, estate planning. I have all the you know, legal stuff. I, I think ahead, but I don't want to think like that. I don't want to think about how I'm going to die. And, I, and so my day-to-day -day is probably actually just not avoiding the thought. But to answer your question in full, I'd say that I don't want to answer the question because I don't want to answer it to myself. I don't want to know how I'll die. So Sure. Well, this is your experience, so you can yeah. answer it however you want. Sure. I honor that. I, I can accept a lot of different ways. I can tell you for sure, though, there, there, are, there are ways I wouldn't want to die. And, and I think I've already hinted at it, like a drawn-out thing that's hard on your family. That would be the worst. Mm -hmm. I, would, I, would, I would choose anything but that. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I wouldn't want to die. Is there anything you would want done with your body in that moment before the funeral like just in that moment just as you have taken your last breath you've exhaled your energy is per you uh your beliefs on the whatever my not to not to cut you short there but mm -hmm. 
whatever my family thinks appropriate is what I would like. I, okay. At that point, I don't care. I don't care after I'm dead. It doesn't matter. Sure. At that point, my body's not mine anymore, and it belongs to my family. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it really belongs to the earth, but the people that care about my body are, the, are my, my kids, my, my wife, my, my cousin, my brother, you know, pe people around me, they'll, they'll care. They'll be concerned about what to do with my body. Sure. Um, and I, and I, I don't have any concerns after that point. I, I'm concerned about what I'm doing up, you know, when I'm alive. And then of course I did say that I was concerned about not being like preserved but that's more of a philosophical thing with regards to sustainably living on the planet and mm -hmm. and dealing with uh, resources properly. It's less yeah. to do with me. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I'm, I, I become just resources to the earth at that point. So, gosh, it'd be fun to do another podcast about funerals, burials, um. And, and stuff like that because there's that's a whole other topic man well i care i care about sure like i i want i actually want a tombstone i just recently d discovered this because i found i found uh at my great at our great grandfather john vanderbeek's uh, grave site which is just up the road from us here mm -hmm. um that there's actually a space uh there next to in, in his plot where his stone is Mm -hmm. and, I, and I thought, well, geez, I, I want to be over there, you know, but do I want to be there? I, my body, I don't care. What I want there is a stone that when future generations come, they can, they can look at a family tree of sorts on a stone and say, oh, there's my grandpa, John Vanderbeek with his great grandpa, John Vanderbeek right there. Mm -hmm. And you see the line. And so, so lineage and ancestry is important to me. My body being there doesn't really matter to me because it doesn't affect it. But somebody, a stone, uh, having a sort of burial-like thing, like a, at a cemetery, it's important to me. So you really value your lineage and ancestry. Right. I don't value my body being in a cemetery, um, but I value the lineage and tradition and ancestry. Okay. And so that seems like, you know, a lot of people that believe in burial and stones and stuff like that, it, I have like mixed philosophies here, but uh, but I'm very strong. We come from a strong family of people that have been important to their family for generations, like mm -hmm. for over 10 generations. I have Revolutionary War roots. We have Civil War roots and stuff mm -hmm. on the Vanderbeek side. Um, mm -hmm. We've had so many generations of family that stuck together. Um, that's a rich heritage, and I'm very, very proud of it. Do you really value the heritage? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, because I just like you're a loving mother and wife and, and, and loving mother of your kids. Thank you. And you're a loving family member of mine. And, and we're a tight family. We, we believe in being close and getting along. Mm -hmm. That comes from hundreds of years of that behavior in our, in our roots. And mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing. And it's very related to this top topic of what happens after you die. Because mm -hmm. what happens after you die, you're not here. You're the same as your great-grandparents that you never knew. Mm -hmm. you know? I never knew my great-grandparents. It's really neat finding out about them, though. Mm -hmm. The next question is, and this could go for any time, really. It's a 
for me, I find it an enriching question to even ask myself daily is what if I were laying on my deathbed or even if today were my last and final day, is there anything I would regret or is there anything you would regret not having done in your life? I don't really have regrets. Like there's a couple of things I feel a little bit bad about, but I live my life according to trying to live towards this future of the goal oriented future. So, you know, what do I want to achieve? And so I already know there'll be regrets along the way and I just don't want to think about it. I just, just avoid it, I guess. But I have a few things like I, I felt, I felt guilty about little, little tactics I've done, like with the kids trying to discipline them. Like, I guess one of my, it just shows you like what kind of blessed life I've had where my worst regret is just far from anything you should even feel bad about. I've always done things according to following my bliss and respecting others. So mm-hmm. what's to regret when you're living by those actions? You know? Which you've answered my other question too, which is what moment or moments have you most regretted in your life? And, um, and I, for me, not that this show is about me, but my my regrets have to do with my kids too. I, and I've yeah. heard that from other people. So that's why I offer that. Is that Anybody that's a parent is going to have some guilty things. As parents, you're living with human beings that have faults and, and you have faults and you're supposed to be the one that uh, is always right. Mm. And you're not part of the human condition and human experience yeah so i i'm lucky though i mean my i feel that way i feel like i don't have many regrets because i've always lived my life according to action when i have an idea i do it i i i serve that need inside myself to deliver that result to myself if i have a dream if i have an idea i I go after it and I don't regret not making it. I mean, geez, most of the stuff I ever do never makes it. I'm a professional mm-hmm. inventor. I've built thousands of prototypes of complex mechanisms and things I've tried to sell. Most of them, the vast majority, we're talking thousands of them, never went anywhere, never made it, mm-hmm. never saw a store shelf, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and you know that doesn't make me feel regrets. I just want to get that next one because I did make a few, <laughs> a few so, things made it. So do you value your mistakes? Oh yeah, I mean the mistakes like the, it. I mean if again using the analogy of my invention um, library, you know what kind of inventor sells, uh, makes three thousand inventions and sells every single one of them. That would be a hundred billionaire invention inventor. Mm. And that you know, there are inventors that have made it <laughs> to to those kind of heights, like Bill Gates, you know. Mm. Um, and but you know, all of his inventions didn't sell either. It was like one good one that took off, of probably many many ones, you know, mm-hmm. software related stuff. Um, so uh, so yeah, I'm always just plunging forward, and I think if if people live by that they they won't be bothered by their regrets you know you can't be bothered by the regrets you just got to keep forward focused and chase after whatever you want if something made you feel bad before chase after something the next time 
learn from what made you feel bad before, avoid the regret. I think regrets, all that kind of psychology is really important in, in the human psyche. It keeps mm -hmm. us directed. Mm -hmm. you know? It keeps us pointed in the right way. If, if you didn't feel bad about something, you'd keep doing it that way. Thank you for that. That's a, such a good takeaway for this conversation. Um, thank you for that. Oh yeah. That's, that's a, um, I've, I speak for myself and I know for many others that I've had conversations with that regrets can really they can eat you alive. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess the, yeah, if you, if, if you have regrets that are eating you alive, I think you can just try to readapt the way you're looking at that. And just, mm. you, you really do have to look at it as a learning experience. They say live and learn. I mean, well, yeah. it's easier said than done. You can't just let go of a regret. Oh, like you, you got to work through it. But, uh, well, Maya Angelou uh, says, when you know better, you do better. So the regret guilt is there to teach the lesson. It informed you mm -hmm. it's not that you're going to feel guilty. Right. If, it's if not you for do shame. that kind of thing again. You are bad. You did bad. It's not for that. It's, oh. This is part of the human condition, the human experience. When I know well, better, I do better. Follow your bliss. Um, a, mm. a famous, uh, one of the best scholars of theology of last century, uh, um, Joseph Campbell, wrote a book called mm -hmm. The Power of Myth. And yes. he, he repeats through that book, follow your bliss. And and if, if you're not religious, like I'm not religious, um, you'll look at a theologian like that who's studied every single religion in history and taken away a few things. Mm -hmm. and one takeaway I got from him was follow your bliss. And yeah. what's that mean to follow your bliss? That means if, if you love something, if you want to do it and, and you're a 17 year old and your teachers are saying, no, don't do that. You got to become a doctor or a lawyer, mm. but you have something that you care about. Mm -hmm. You'll do far better in something that you care about than doing something you don't care about. The best doctors and lawyers out there are the ones that followed their bliss and ended mm -hmm. up as a doctor or a lawyer, and they're the best doctor and lawyer in the world or something because mm -hmm. they followed their bliss. They, they followed something they're interested in. Yes. So follow your bliss. Follow something you're interested and passionate about. And if you have moments where you're, where you're fearing death and the emptiness of the, what happens after I'm dead, just bury yourself into your work. Your yeah, not bury yourself into busyness. Because that busyness is avoidance. Busyness is avoiding looking at the truth. It's kind of like drinking your problems away in a way. Mm -hmm. you know, busyness could be the same as alcoholism. Yes. Um, yeah. But, uh, but following your bliss and passion and, and create, like for me, this here is my passion. I have a CNC machine shop here, 3D printer lab. I create the next Star Wars toys, the next uh, Paw Patrol toys were recognized as top 100 influencers in the toy business. Yeah. Um, and, Congratulations. and that, that happened after, after, you know, working in the business for more than a decade and a half. I, I have not been having that dark kind of feeling of fear of death since I've, since I've been very busy with my work. Mm. I really haven't like, especially now with kids too, that that's helped, I think, because, because I do believe that my afterlife is through my children and loved ones and friends and family. Again, if I wake up in a dream, like if I die now and I, and I wake up in your dream someday in a couple of years or something, that's freaking great. I'm happy with that. That's good enough for me. I'll do it. Yeah. But, <laughs> I'll do but, it. I'll but you know what? What, happen, what happens to me after two generations? Nobody knows me anymore. 
<laughs> a lot of people want to live on through their work or something like maybe I'll have some big invention and people, you know, like Nikola Tesla, maybe some, some kid will be playing with you know, some kind of thing that I invented, you know, but it, that's far fetched and it's not going to make me live. You know, what makes me live is now what I'm doing right. now. Well, I will, I'll offer this too, because I, I feel this. Um, is that that's why it's so good to have storytellers in the family who tell the stories, who pass them on from generation to generation, because we've talked about our great grand, great, great grand, wait, great. Oh, who traveled over here from the Netherlands, John? Aren't Jan van der Beek in 1866. And so we know a little bit about his personality type. We know part of his story. We know part of great-grandfather John and his story. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to have storytellers, and you've been a storyteller for our family. And I could just see Ella, your daughter Ella, your middle child. She, I could see her being, I don't, I don't want to put anything on her, but I could see her being a storyteller. And Kira, She's my daughter, block. yeah, Kira, my daughter is a storyteller. That's how yeah, we, neat. maybe that's how our energies live on. I don't want to put anything on what you were saying, but. No, you're right. It's like, the, I, I don't think you should like work towards trying to have an afterlife or legacy. Like, you know, like, let's have this legacy. Let's have this great. Le it's like, no, you just right. follow your inside wants and desires. That's not desire to go open a bottle. Yes. That's the, that's the like, I want to do this, but it's going to be hard. Yes. Well, let's figure out the path, the first step, the second step, the third step, and take those steps towards mm -hmm. something that's hard. Yes. That'll tie you up enough where you're not so worried about death. And it'll, it'll get you through your own fear of death. Mm -hmm. it'll get it'll get you through the loss of somebody that's died around you mm -hmm. that's that's you know for me but that's this is coming from somebody who's passionate about what they do I, I love what I do as a living so much that it actually gives me spiritual uh balance mm. if I feel confused like you know you feel kind of like you're spinning like you like you're like you're in the pinball game and you're bouncing off the walls and stuff. Sometimes I come down and I and I and I reset when I work. Mm. Similar to somebody in exercise or a religious scenario, I, I get almost a religious peace from from my work. Mm -hmm. So I feel very blessed. So I encourage anybody out there that that can just get into what they love to do because it brings you peace. What a great conversation that was. We explored some some different topics, our own mortality, John's mortality, our fathers. We explored some different philosophies. Um, one thing that I took away from this was the idea that we can live a more rich and juicy life by really diving into our own passions and our creativity. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Join us again next time on Mortality and Tea with Amy. Bye-bye. Mortality and Tea with Amy.